you, you, if you're on yeah. TRT and you go to 300 test, you're going to notice a difference. And then later, when you add in yeah. that 300 mast, that's a nice combo. And I mean, like at that point, your lab work probably isn't even going to look too weird by the time you're done with that cycle. It's not like we need to go into a, a crazy health phase when you're done with it, you know? Yeah. It, and it gets back to what I was saying about sustainability, right? Yeah, like exactly. Maybe this kind of person can go 12 weeks on with, let's say, three, 400 tests, three, 400 masks. And then the, for the cruise period, you're literally just pulling the master on out and right. maybe you're lowering the testosterone just a little bit. Now they're actually going to look pretty much the same year round, just a little harder, tighter, drier when they're running the master on. Hey, what's up, guys? What's the biggest difference for creating a cycle for a competitor versus a non-competitor? In my experience as a coach, creating a cycle for a competitor means getting them to look a very specific way for one specific day versus the non-competitor generally wants to look as good as possible for as long as possible, right? Today, Coach Andrew Barry and I are going to discuss creating cycles for non-competitors. We run through several different scenarios. We'll have timestamps below if you want to skip around. And if you're new here, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell. We have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week, tons of education and entertainment from IPB pros, experienced coaches, and educators in our industry. Guys, we've been doing this for a long time. We want to share our experience with you so that you can stay safer and reach your goals more effectively. All right, let's get to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Andrew Barry. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by you, the awesome people at Patreon. Thank you, everybody who's supporting the show. We've got some questions from Patreon that we're going to knock out. We also have a topic. Uh, we're, you guys are going to enjoy this one. Uh, we are brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings. Uh, High-quality third-party tested supplements from a company that you can trust. And supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Great deals that change week to week. So, Andrew, this topic, um, best cycles for average gym bros. You know, we talk a lot about the high-end. We talk about competing. Mm -hmm. And we've even had people say, like, hey, you know, would this be cycle be good for me? I don't want to compete, but I, I just want to fill in the blank. I just want to get in shape. I just want to grow as much muscle mm -hmm. as possible. And I, I had a couple categories I wanted to throw at you as we determined, like, because, you know, best cycle, it could mean a lot of different things, right? So mm -hmm. what, and you tell me if you can think of any other categories we should use. Category one would be goals, you know, like, what are your goals? Are you still like, maybe you don't want to compete, but you're still trying to grow as much freaking muscle as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then kind of like almost a subcategory of that too, might be age. You know, are you 22 and, and, and like slamming the weights, you know, like there's no tomorrow, like you're never going to get hurt. Or are you mm -hmm. 45 and um, just trying to stay in the gym as long as you possibly can. You know, we could also look at maybe even suggestions for females, but that could be a little, little iffy too. You know what I mean? Like, because there's so many different variations in what a, a gym bro at might want to do. But, you know, I, I just want to throw these out there. Can you think of any other factors that we might want to look at to create categories of gym bro, you know, and gym bro cycles? Yeah, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, um, seriousness meaning and by seriousness what i mean is because you said the example of someone who wants to to bang and grow as much as they possibly can and then maybe they even want to diet down to as lean as they possibly can as if they were getting on stage but they have no desire to actually get on stage i have yeah. a bunch of people like that me too the idea of getting super tanned up and super shaved down and in a little you know man thong just doesn't appeal to them but they want to look like a bodybuilder. They want to look like, you know, a top level guy in the gym when they're at the beach, when they're just working out around their, their house or doing it. They, they want to be jacked and tan, you know, yeah. they just don't want to actually be on stage, which who am I to judge? Like, you know, wh where your priorities are or where you want to take this thing. Well, you said a couple things here too, was, you know, maybe they want to get as jacked as possible. Maybe they want to diet down. So I guess another su couple subcategories are, We've got like, well, that would be in goals, right? So mm -hmm. sure, then absolutely. within that too, there's going to be people that want to get get into great shape. There's going to be people that are like, man, I just want to get as humanly strong and big as possible. You know, mm -hmm. I think they're fewer and further between than they used to be, but those guys are still out there. They do exist. So, so let's take, 
and, and we could talk about doses too, I suppose, but so much of that is going to come down to experience, right? Like, is yeah. this your second yeah, cycle? That's or another have, category. You know, have you that's been doing this for five almost. years? So, well, okay, let's look at it this way then. Let's start with the cycle and then we can break it down further into the dosing for different experience levels. How would we look at that? Let's take a guy sure. for starters that like you were saying, he, he wants to diet down. He wants to look like he's in stage condition. Maybe he wants mm -hmm. to get here. You know what? I, you've probably heard this too. I've had people tell me, I'd like to get to the point where I look like I'm five weeks out. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, quite often. I, that's all I want. Actually. I want to get to the point where exactly, you know, I want to get to the point where I look like I'm five weeks out. So we take a guy mm -hmm. who has been in the gym. Let's say his experience has been that this isn't his first rodeo, but he also hasn't ever used trends. OK, you know, he's okay. done a few things here and there. Right. He's run 500 tests. Mm -hmm. He's run some tests in mass. Okay. He's run some various different orals, you know, maybe a little EQ, this and that. But, uh, you know, mm -hmm. he never has run trend before. Okay. Total cycles have been maybe no more than a gram. You know, what would be what would be a good cycle for him in his goals? And how would we set that up? Yeah, actually, I think because uh, you mentioned a gram, because that's that's kind of like a good magic number, I think, for in, in terms of the PED load for someone like this. Right. And I would treat it, you know, very similar to how I would I would treat someone with a contest prep. But the doses might not be as high. And we might be um, skewing the weeks back a little differently. So like, you know, let's say this person is 20 weeks out from, let's say he wants to be jack and tan for summer, right? So we're starting, I, I'm horrible at math, but maybe some, somewhere in mid-January, February or something like that. So he can be ready to go July 1st. You know, maybe he's going, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago about peaking for a, um, like a cruise or peaking yeah. for a vacation. Maybe he's got a family reunion or, or something. Okay, yeah, let's just peeking for your some, class some reunion date. so you can screw your girlfriend's best friend Kim <laughs> and <laughs> her friend, according to Skip. <laughs> but um, okay, so you know, yeah, I structure it the same way I structure a lot of lot of lot of contest preps. You know, we would probably start with something like uh, maybe four to five hundred milligrams of testosterone, four yep. to five hundred milligrams of EQ, and then somewhere in the fifty to one hundred milligrams of nandrolone uh, (NPP) every other day. And we would probably ride that until about 10 weeks out. And then at 10 weeks out, I would pull out the NPP and I would add in Masteron. And, you know, trying to keep that, that total load, PED load around 1,000 milligrams a week, you know, I would probably pull the EQ back to 300 and I would bump the Masteron up to 400. So we're somewhere around 400 tests, 300 EQ, 400 Masteron, somewhere okay. in that ballpark, maybe not exactly, right? And I would probably continue riding that and of course, a lot of this, for me, conditioning plays a big role, right? Like I don't ever want to add a compound in that's going to quote unquote harden you and make and deceive me and the athlete into thinking they're leaner than they are. So it which you know, a lot of athletes are always like, when are we going to add the hardeners in? You know, it's like, well, I want to get you to a certain point conditioning wise where there's no way I'm going to fool myself into yeah. thinking that you're tighter, drier, harder than you really are. Because I mean, that honestly, the, the, at least when it comes to getting on stage, like, you know, you're not judged on your seven weeks out pictures. You're judged on how you look that one day. And there's no hiding that little bit of fat you had in your lower back or your hamstrings or wherever it might be when you're on stage. You know so, what? And, and to add to that, there's a certain mm -hmm. awesome feeling as a coach and as an athlete when you can look at somebody and you're like, yeah, we're still eight weeks out and we haven't even added the hardeners yet. When you can say that, you're like, you know that you're happy. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That's a yeah, good You feel ahead of the game. And, yeah. and you feel that like you're going to be in a place at two weeks out where you can do no wrong as a coach that's going to ruin their look, you know, yeah. short of giving them a vat of, you know, Chris, Crisco to eat every day or something <laughs> like that, you know, but if, if you generally just stick to some pretty conservative and smart, well thought out design conservative stuff, they're going to look really freaking awesome. But anyway, yeah. so, um, so we'd probably ride that contest or that, that cycle out. And then, you know, let's say five weeks out, you know, they're already looking really good. They're tight. Um, that's when I would add the trend in and I'd probably add it in at something like 50, maybe 75 milligrams every other day. And I pull the EQ out at that point. I was going to ask you to try you to that. keep that. So, well, only to keep the whole, because if we're trying to stick to like constraints of total PED milligram load to about a gram a week, yep, that's just kind of where I'm going with that. I would, I would love to leave the EQ in as well. Um, yeah, and just but, to just to back up to make sure that everybody is following along. So you're talking testing EQ, 
then later adding in mast, and then later switching the EQ to a lower dose of trend. Well, you know, set mm-hmm. 50, 75 every other day. Yeah. I like that. And it could be lower than that. It could be 25 to 50 too, especially because this person, like this fictitious person we're talking about has never ran trend before. So, you know, 25 to 50 milligrams a day, that's going to, you're going to see something with that, especially if you've never used trend before. And then I would start to layer in um, at least one oral, you know, okay. um, I, I think you and me agree. We like to go Winstrol. If Skip were here, I can hear him saying Anavar, Anavar. Yeah. And, and I, you know, honestly, I, I would take the athletes or this person's input on that. Like if they're like, man, I really liked how I looked with Anavar. I really, you know, I had great pumps and great striations and, um, or like, Hey, Winstrol, you know, caused some issues. I had a hard time getting it up for a long time. Yeah. I, I take all that stuff into account. I'm not my way or the highway. It's let's, let's, let's figure out this thing together. And obviously the more experience you have, the better it is for both of us. Um, so yeah, I would probably run, you know, either Winstrol or Anavar, you know, 25 to 50 milligrams a day. And if they really, 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 really wanted to to get the full experience, I'd add some Halo tests at the end of the last two, three weeks. Yeah, if they if, like if they wanted to, if they're the guy that like wants to be the contest prep guy, I'm gonna mm-hmm. and I think it would it would be like a time waster for me to just reiterate what I would do because it would in this exact same scenario. So I'll tell you what I will do. I'm gonna shift the goal a little bit and give you my Great. perspective on a different goal. Then, so let's take okay. Uh, a guy that also wants to get in really good shape. We're going to give him that same amount of time. I think you said something that was really important. You know, you have to remember what your time frames look like. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you got to give yourself enough time to do this. How many times have we had somebody that comes to us and they're like, hey, you know, I have a cruise and I want to look really great on it. And they're like, it happens in seven weeks. It's like, well, we can we can really crash diet you and we can get some good fat off in that time. But we can't really we can't get that full thing. You know, you could look better, yeah. you know, but that's that's really, you know, it's asking a lot of yourself in that short time. So I'm with you. Give somebody plenty of time. Now, let's take a guy who also wants to keep it maybe around that gram. He doesn't care as much about the contest thing. He just wants to look as good as he can. Okay. For him, you know how you said you would add the master on in later, the hardeners in later. Mm-hmm. I have always been a big fan of master on and methate because I love the fact that it's it's the infrequent shots. When we have to go mm-hmm. to like every other day shots, we're on bided time. We're like after 12 weeks so that people are like, man, I am just so tired of doing all these shots mm-hmm. where if you can yeah. keep it at twice a week, you know, you're in a you're in a good spot. And if you can get somebody, let's say you're on a 20 week diet and let's say we, okay. we start the test, we increase the test at say 16 weeks out. Okay. I might add okay. that mast in as early as 12 weeks out. If we can get some, if I'm not obviously, okay, obviously composition, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that at all. Okay. Obviously composition depending, right? But if -hmm. we can get somebody like already looking good and then we can cosmetically jump them up a little bit further, remembering that this person's goal isn't necessarily to look great on that cruise. They just want to look good Mm. for summer. And I love master on for that purpose, like a long acting mast, because unlike a lot of other DHTs, like your Winstrel, your Anivar, you could use Primo, but I prefer mast. I just feel like you get a sharper look out of it personally. Um, It's been my personal experience. I would rather go with that. And, And now we've got a guy who's just using Winstrel, or excuse me, test and mast. And he's able to, to really cruise for a long period of time, continuing to get in shape. But if we're doing good at that 10, 12 week out period, he might already be looking hard. He might already be in that position where people are asking him like, Hey man, what are you up to? You know, what do you got going on, dude? What do you do with your diet kind of Mm -hmm. thing? And then be able to ride that through the summer, you know, and, and just try to just try to keep getting better and better from there. Also too, we didn't mention anything about fat burners. I'm not opposed to using something like Clen for somebody like this. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Or some people prefer ECA, but I I like Clen personally. And you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go crazy with it. But uh, you know, I I would use something like a Clen. And really, I would go honestly if they wanted to. We could do the whole thing with just those three compounds and possibly an AI. We could do more. Mm-hmm. Maybe they get to you know that that period where they're now six weeks left in the diet and they're like, Hey man, I I wouldn't mind running some trend, you know, let's get something else in here. Maybe that's where we Mm -hmm. add in some Anivar Winstrel or trend, something like that. Mm -hmm. Just, just a third factor, you know, a third additional compound and trend would do a lot, even at like 50 every other day. Agreed. 
Yeah, I, I agree. It's funny actually, as you're saying that, I'm I'm remembering. Uh, I got a cancellation on on a on a client today, and I think it's because. I wasn't just pushing all these drugs. Like every check-in, it was oh. he was asking me about when when are we going to add trend in. And meanwhile, there's been not one week in the last five weeks. I think six weeks we've been working together where there was compliance in the the, the importance in, wasn't on the diet and yeah. on matching the cardio. It was like, well, I have Anavar and Trend and T3 and Clen laying around. Like, and I'm like, hey, that's wonderful. We'll get there when we need it. But I don't yeah. think we need it yet. We need to focus. And I guess what I'm saying is. Because I like what you said about it. Sounds like what you were saying was very sustainable, especially for yeah. the summer. Like a testosterone master on, maybe sprinkling something else in down the road. But that's very sustainable, especially when you're in a calorie deficit, trying to get leaner. That that and in terms of like health, you're not taking too many risks like you would with you know throwing in multiple orals, throwing in trend plus multiple orals. Right. Um, you're probably not needing to use too many AIs on a cycle like that. Right. Uh, right. So yeah, I think. That's very sustainable and, and, and the right sh- way to do it. Shift a, shift to if the guy, let's say that age was a factor. Let's say that he's in his mid-40s and he's like, hey, I still love doing this stuff. I don't want to do anything crazy. Honestly, mm-hmm. I feel, and I've done this, like 300 test, 300 mast for that whole cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Or not for the whole cycle, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? Yeah, if you're on yeah. TRT and you go to 300 tests in your 40s, you're going to notice a difference. And then later, when you add in yeah. that 300 mast, that's a nice combo. And I mean, like at that point, your lab work probably isn't even going to look too weird by the time you're done with that cycle. It's not like we need to go into a, a crazy health phase when you're done with it, you know? Yeah. It, and it gets back to what I was saying about sustainability, right? Yeah, like exactly. Maybe this kind of person can go 12 weeks on with, let's say, three, 400 tests, three, 400 mass. And then the, for the cruise period, you're literally just pulling the master on out and right. maybe you're lowering the testosterone just a little bit. Now they're actually going to look pretty much the same year round, just a little harder, tighter, drier when they're running the master on. And yeah. again, it's sustainable. It's more healthy. It's it's definitely um, something that I think uh, the average gym rat could, could benefit from 100%. Okay, so next, let's look at somebody who wants to grow. Like, that's their goal. Of course, we're not looking to get, I mean, you and I both, when uh, I think sometimes when people say, when we hear people say they want to grow, immediately we're thinking of, you know, pizzas every night. We're getting real sloppy, tons of water weight. And I, we know, you and I, I know when we're thinking that it doesn't have to necessarily be that way. So, but, but growing, let's say that somebody wants to still maintain their physique to some extent. Um, while they're mm-hmm. while they're trying to put on muscle, how would you how would you put a cycle together for them? And let's say it's summer or winter. Who cares what what season it is? It's always a good time to put on muscle. And 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 who yeah. do we want to start with? Maybe like a younger guy, younger guy who's banging hard in the gym, and he's he's yep. on his plan with the food. He's one hundred and ten percent with his diet. Absolutely loves mm-hmm. training. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, and and he's ready to follow everything that that either you or I have to tell him. Yeah, that's that's a good one. So, and, and you can you can disagree with me if you do disagree. I think a younger guy, like let's say in his early twenties, I think it's okay to have that one all out, just perma bulk, <laughs> you know, get big at all costs. Sure, at, at in least that to case, say you did it. Yeah, it, it, for one thing, it's going to show you what kind of genetics you have, which can set up your your future, right? Like because we all know like. Some of these genetic freaks, they just have these diets where they're just eating whatever they want. They're doing KFC a couple times a day. They're doing the Ronnie Coleman offseason, right? Yeah. And they just grow and get bigger. And yeah, they put on a little bit of fat, but it's distributed evenly all throughout their body. And at the end of this thing, they're like 25, 30 pounds heavier, and it looks pretty darn clean. That's so, when you know you got them those grade A genetics. That's okay. not the majority of people, but it kind of gives you an idea. If this Additionally, is a, if, I think. Oh, I just want to ask you something really quick because I wrote down a yes. cycle. And I want to see if we're on the same wavelength. We got this young guy. Let's say that's what he's doing. What would be the compounds you would select for him? And I wrote down my own. I want to see if I got the same as you. I think you probably wrote down test, deca, and D-ball. Can you read that? <laughs> test, deca. Oh, Just I didn't test, put, deca. You didn't have the D-ball, though. No, I didn't, okay. but that would be optional, absolutely, or maybe a little draw, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and I'll be honest, I hate, I don't like D-ball. I'd, I'd prefer to use Anadrol myself, but um, I, I don't think you could go wrong with like a 500-500 for each of those. And then, you know, maybe doing like your old-fashioned front load of like an Anadrol or D-ball for two to three weeks and then sprinkling mm. it in maybe on on some of the days, um, you know, on days where the – 
let's say they're trying to hit a squat PR and they've been working at it for eight to 10 weeks. Right. And they're just kind of getting there and they're, you know, I would do something with like Anadrol, Halo testing and just, you know, put them over the edge. Like yeah. they got aggression, they got strength that day because honestly, like when you have those successes, when you're younger, it really does like it's additive over time. Right. I think back to like watching um, the Justin Harris, project super heavyweight dvd with him and steve kuklo and those guys when i was younger watching them train and just like it's like every freaking workout these guys are adding like 20 30 pounds to the bar and yeah, yeah they're both freaks they're both they're both snatched <laughs> but it, it, it was like it was very inspiring and and in my mindset back then was eat big as clean as you can eat big train as hard as you freaking can and hit the gear fairly hard too and the test deck or test um yeah, usually it was test deck and, and like a um, Diana ball um, cycle for me. But um, that's a good one. Today I'm today I'm a little cleaner though, in the sense of I don't love Deca. I don't either, man. Even with like a even with this first time guy that that's like jumping on the PDs or he's only done like a 500 milligram cycle, I would still go a little different direction today, and I would do like 500 tests, 500 EQ, and that 100 NPP every other day. I'd, I'd rather use that Nandrolone source versus Deca, just because I don't want all the extra water, um, and I would probably clean the diet up a little bit more than what I was alluding to a minute. minute yeah, ago. of course. But I do think that it's like I, I. And let me know what you think because I do think it's like good to just have that one all out. You know, getting a little sloppy. Good because I got a lot of growth out of mine when I did it. Sure. You know, I went from like two twenty was it two twenty four to like two seventy two. No, good God. sorry. No, no, sorry. I went from this is gonna blow your mind. So I just gotten done the NPC Vermont twenty. 2005 and i i won the heavyweight class sorry i won the light heavyweight class at 62 okay okay? (laughs) i was 188 pounds 188 and it was not even eight or nine months later i remember i was 292 no kidding wow now I was disgusting to look at. All right. And I, <laughs> so what I learned in that process was like, I don't ever want to, I mean, I'm talking like tits and like, you know, like the back that would waddle when you would walk. Like, it Oh was wow. Bad. You were full blown. Yeah. I, oh, I was full blown. Yeah. It was, and, and honestly, I only use, I did use 500 tests, 500 deck and a little bit of D ball for that, for, for that growth phase. Um, but uh, the diet on the way down was a that sucked, you know. Oh, I bet I lose sixty pounds of fat, right? Yeah, I put on a good twenty pounds of muscle, yeah. but I put on like seventy pounds of fat in that process. Yeah. So, um, if I would have do it differently, I probably would have not gotten as fat, and I would have done test EQ and NPP versus just test D ball and uh, Deca. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I I could see going with something like that. You know, we talked before. It was a great episode where you, Skip, and I all independently had learned on our own and then discovered one day on the podcast that that was our favorite all-time growth cycle. So I have a client, which is uh, for anybody that didn't catch that test EQ in NPP. I have a client that I've worked with for a good chunk of time. Now he heard that show and he was like, Hey, I want to try that. We tried that. We've used that. And he's put on, he's bigger than he's ever been now. Like we, we did hit, 250 i think before um and when we got to 250 again this time he looked much better than he did previously Mm -hmm. and now we're close to 260 and this is a guy that came to me i think he was around 200 maybe 210 something like that when we first initially started working together you know a big chunk of time ago and like he's got ab you know outline of his abs and stuff still like he's Mm -hmm. he's still in good composition and that's one of the things i like about a cycle like that is that you don't mm-hmm. you don't look as sloppy. You can still get a read on what's going on, you know? That's a good way to put it. You can get a read on what's really going on. Like yeah. you're not as sloppy. You can see those lines still. The waist isn't getting blown out so that they don't even have like the lat taper. It's it's you can still see a clearly defined bodybuilder there. And it's much easier to make changes. It's much easier to analyze how long are we gonna need to diet, you know, if you're doing a contest after after this thing, or if you just want to get back to like a decent level of body fat. It's much easier to gauge in a situation like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So who else do we have here? Who else can we think of? Um, what about, I mean, female? we should, yeah, female. And then also we should probably cover like first timer too. You know, the guy who's just yeah. getting into it, how we'd handle something like that. But yeah, let's, let's say a female, somebody who has little experience. 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's going to be probably the same thing as, um, you know, most females that do have a lot of experience. It's probably going to be the same compounds and it's probably going to be Anavar, right? Um, Anavar, you know, 10 to 12, maybe 15 milligrams a day, you get very little negative side effects reported. You know, the number one side effect is I have increased sex drive. Well, who hates that, right? Um, You know, and then it's always like, okay, you know, what other side effects could you possibly see? Like some hairs coming on your nipple or on your chin, your voice deepening, acne, hair growth and hair loss, um, all those types of things. But I think if you have a good competent coach and a good relationship with your coach, that's very easy to mitigate, discuss, figure out dosing properly and, uh, and go from there. But I will say that I also spent a lot more time over the last five years doing a lot more labs with women, both in their off season, when they're competing, when they're trying to diet, when they're not, all that stuff. And I think that, um, you know, what I see is a lot of women, probably from estrogen dominance, probably from birth control use, probably from just the stressful lifestyle that that, that most people lead today, their testosterone is usually low. So it, I'm not against adding in something like two milligrams of testosterone two to three days a week. I think, mm. you know, and, and a lot of women, they hear testosterone, they're very, very scared. And we're not talking about using, you know, uh, you know, Olympia professional bodybuilder levels. We're, we're, yeah. we're talking like a replacement dose that just brings your androgen level a little bit higher and then adding something like Anavar in. Um, you know, I, I think they complement each other really well. Yeah, and then you still have estrogen, which that's been the big argument lately. People are saying, hey, Anavar is terrible for females because then you don't have any estrogen, you know. And, and I, it, it is one of those things you have to be careful with. If it was a first-timer, I would say, I mean, in most cases, I would just go with the Anavar by itself. And then, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, down the road, you're more advanced and somebody who, say, doesn't want to come off as frequently, mm-hmm. isn't giving themselves mm-hmm. enough time. Or like you said, somebody mm-hmm. who, you know, and birth control is a whole other animal. I get, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it does get so individual then, doesn't it, after you get after you get into the depths of that one. And maybe that's one of the reasons that people don't throw out as many specific cycles for females either. It'd be hard to say like all women should do this, you know, that that's a hundred percent true because when I get a woman and she wants these PDs, I say, look, I don't know what side effects you could possibly get with any of these compounds. These are the list of side effects. And we just need to have a, see something, say something relationship where you feel comfortable telling me the minute you see something you don't like, if we're trying something, Uh, I will say the thing about the Anavar and, and no estrogen. Yeah. I kind of disagree with that a little bit in the sense that, you know, because I pull labs on almost every female competitor that I work with. And okay. let's say they're using Anavar yeah. at the end of the cycle, at the end of the contest prep, their estrogen is not the, 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 the hormone that's tanked. It's okay. the progesterone and usually testosterone. Okay. Um, est- now, could estrogen be a little on the low side? Absolutely. But it's not tanked the same way that – like usually – a woman who's healthy, a progesterone level will be somewhere, you know, 13, 15 uh, picogra- uh, nanograms per ml, whereas like their estradiol could still be in the 100s in terms of picograms per ml. Okay. And when you do the math, you can still find that most women, when they get done a contest prep, are severely estrogen dominant, not progesterone dominant. So when people say they're not producing enough estrogen or that... I think it all has to do with the ratio compared to progesterone and testosterone and, and, and again, and it always comes back to recovery, right? Women need, need to have a lot more attention paid to in terms of the hormone recovery. And most of that isn't necessarily compounds. It's mostly stress reduction, pulling Mm. training, pulling cardio and feeding up over time. Yeah. And time, you said the word time, which I think is a critical component in there, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Because right, like about- you mentioned the example a second ago about how like when someone comes to you, they're like, hey, I got seven weeks until right. this thing I want to do. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like you get the lap. Oh, crap. We just had major lightning. Thunder. That was lightning? That, like, dude, that was, it sounded like gunshot. It sounds like a like a tank shot, right? Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, getting back to what I was saying. I totally yeah. forgot now. Um, uh, when people say it? time, time. Oh, time. Yeah. So like, especially like women, when you you pull their labs and you see that they're severely estrogen dominant, you're like, hey, it's going to take us three months to get you into a place where we're going to get some positive, um, you know, results with dieting and training. Because we've all picked up clients, females, probably earlier in our career where we just kept on pushing them harder, pushing them harder. 
and their weight stays the same. They end up looking a little bit flatter. They might even look like they're putting on body fat and they're not, they're just not going anywhere. A lot of that has to do with the hormones or the majority of that has to do with the hormones. So yeah. it's like a lot of people, you need to get them to a place where they can actually progress before you start trying to progress. We're going to take listener questions, guys. Um, since we are talking about this, I will throw this one up. But yeah, we'll take a bunch of listener questions after we're done with this topic. On this note, what about for females, uh, peptides? Peptides for females in a building phase like IGFLR3. What do you think about that, Andrew? Not without throwing like any of the you know purveyors of these supplements under the under the bus. I don't think they do much of anything. Um, I would say save your money and invest in a good quality growth hormone instead of the LR3s, the LR um, IGF DES, the MGFs, the the GH frags. There's a reason why top coaches aren't having their clients take these things unless they're using like Incrolex, right? Which is yeah. super expensive. You just don't see maybe it does a a a 1% difference, but I don't even think it does that, honestly. I, I would tend to stick to growth hormone, insulin, um, peptides that we know work. Okay. Growth hormone at low dose is great for females, too. You know, I've seen that be a fantastic tool. I mean, it's the one compound that isn't going to have any, you know, androgenic or masculinizing side effects. So, like, women could pretty much stay on that year round as long as they can afford it and as long as they're not having any um, insulin uh, yes. uh, sensitivity issues. Yeah, as that's long exactly as what I was thinking, too. Yeah. And, and honestly, a competent coach can, can dose it properly with the protocol to make sure you keep your insulin sensitivity in relation to the food you're adding in throughout the diet. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Have you heard other people talking about IGF lately? Because I get the vibe that it's making a resurgence. I have, uh, you know, and I and I'm speculating here, but I imagine that the kids that do like TikTok and and that have the YouTube channels, I, I imagine they found out about it, and someone mm -hmm. found a research paper, and they started taking it themselves. And 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 I always discount anything about like when younger people are growing off something because it's like, well you're 18, 19, 20, you're growing right. anyway. Like you add weight training and you, you start eating five, six meals a day. You're going to start growing. I think you're growing despite what you're taking, not because of what you're taking a lot of the time. Yeah. And, but you're right. I have seen, uh, IGF LR three in particular has mm -hmm. come up a little bit lately in terms of, um, when I'm scrolling Instagram, I see someone talk, making a video about it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, maybe we could make that a topic for the second segment and just make it like a short intro topic. Cause I, I think that mm -hmm. I've got some stuff I could say about that, but I'd hate to get it buried in this topic. You know what I mean? Okay. That's a good um, idea. All right. So one last cycle to put together. What about the first timer? You know, the first timer male, um, let's say he's in his twenties, he's never used anything and he plans to come off when he's done. He doesn't know. Maybe he's going to want to have kids one day down the road. He doesn't want to be tethered to TRT. It's a lifelong commitment that he's not ready to make yet. He wants to be able to restore his health when he's done. Just flat, flat out, you know, full stop. Mm -hmm. Why don't you answer that one? I've, I've been rambling for 20 right. minutes here. I feel you like we both been think. going. I feel like we both have, but um, I would say just to keep it really simple. I mean, honestly, a guy like that, he could probably get away with like literally I, in, in the past, I would have said back in the message board days and even beyond that 500 tests, 500 tests in AI, 10 weeks in and out done. But now I might even say something like 300 tests really could be enough depending on who you are to really make a legit difference. And I've seen as little, I, I really do think that I want to stay. So there are compounds I like, but I don't like for guys that are going to come off. I'm going to think about the fact mm -hmm. that I want this cycle to be kind of short and sweet. I don't want to go too mm -hmm. crazy with it. I mean, heck, I wouldn't even have a problem if he did Anivar only, honestly, dip his toes in it. You know, there's a, there's a thought that your first cycle better be your best. You better go all out because it's going to be the cycle you grow the most on. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I think that you could, if you wanted to, take just Anivar for six weeks. Your likelihood of dealing with side effects is going to be minimal. You're going to be able to, because here's the other thing, how you recover from your cycle to me is part of the cycle. You know, if, if mm -hmm. you take a cycle and then afterward you can't get your, you can't kick your natural test back on, you're going to have a harder time holding on to your gains and, and making future progress. I worked with a guy who wanted to do that. Okay. He wanted to just mm -hmm. try Anavar 
And then when we went on PCT, because we did a PCT for it still, I still would do a PCT for a six to eight week Anivar cycle. That's just me. Uh, his mm-hmm. test levels ramped up and he started getting stronger. So he got stronger in PCT and it, there was never a lapse. There was never like a, a lull. He just, he just got better and he kept getting better. And then from there, things just kind of tapered off but after PCT is, and he just maintained what he gained. Is it possible that um, he was somewhat hypogonadal before he started the We got labs. Like, he was in the, he was in the okay. middle of normal. Yeah. He got labs. So he was okay, in the middle okay. of normal. So, but, but it just, it then, ramped things back up and he felt great. So it's like, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I would imagine that um, he responded so well to the PCT compounds that there was just no, you know, the androgens hitting from the Anivar, one yep. day they're gone, but like, and then the next tenant moves in, natural <laughs> testosterone production, it's full blown and it's, it's, it's making improvements and it's, it's ready to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's lucky. Cause obviously like we all know some guys have a much longer lag, even when they're adding in PCT compounds um, Yeah, and it might take like six or eight weeks, you know, and I'm only basing this off of like doing labs because it, it it's almost impossible to get someone to do labs, you know, every two weeks, right? Because there's sure. a cost associated with that. So maybe you do labs like, you know, before the cycle, yep. and then you pick a time point like eight weeks after the cycle, once you've been doing the PCT for six to eight weeks, just to kind of get a, a frame of reference. And yeah. there's some people I've seen where, you know, they're still kind of, they're not rock bottom, but they're still lower than they were before. So I would say this guy is a, a very good responder to whether it's like a clomiphene or hmg or hcg whichever you had them on yeah it, um, we used to like, it's what was available to okay. him but i will say this too i think part of that was that the cycle probably didn't shut him down super hard you know what i mean that's probably fair I, too. I, I, it might have been too. six weeks and we were on anivar and anivar mm-hmm. only and i think we started at 25 like we just started with like hey let's just see what this will do and later we went up to 50 whereas had that cycle been like full-blown test he might've had a harder recovery because we haven't done that cycle yet. That's he's true. still, he's planning to in the future, but it's been God, eight months since we did that. Cool dude lives in Ireland, by the way, shout out to Ireland. You know, it'd be cool is maybe him to do like, you know, 10 week end of our cycles or five or you know, six week end of our cycles like he did. And then a 10 week cruise period and then six weeks and seeing how far he can go. Yeah. His body just with that. Career, just alternating that, those two protocols. I mean, I guarantee he's going to stay healthy. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot healthier than, than, than some of us that are abusing PEDs over the years. And, um, and, and I guess it also comes back to not becoming too greedy, right? Like oh, it sounds yeah. like this guy was ecstatic with the gains that he made. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and they're realistic. And, and, and again, it comes back to sustainability, right? Because if, if you're having health issues, you can't continue to run PEDs or you shouldn't continue to run PEDs. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you're having issues. This right here, I, I would imagine he probably had next to no side effects that were negative. He probably had no horrible lipids or, or blood values that made you say, oh, man, we can't do no. this again. Yeah, I, no. I'd be interested to see what he looked like after like four rounds of this. And, yeah, um, that's not a bad idea. Know. But uh, yeah. OK, so let's say uh, what would you do then for somebody? Would you disagree, first of all, <laughs> with like my thought on using as little as 300 tests for a first cycle? I don't disagree with anything. It's, it's, it's so because, well, and here's why, because you also got to listen to the client and the yeah. person you're working with, like, like, where is their risk assessment? Are they like, and you can give them like all the information as you know it, you know, in terms of like, well, here are some of the possible things we can expect in a negative sense. Here are some of the positive things we can expect. It's just like making an investment when you're, when you're figuring out, okay, you're starting your IRA and what kind of fund do you want to put it in? Right? Like more risk aggressive, more risk aversive. Like it's very similar. I feel like to that when you're, when you're taking on a new client and adding PEDs in, you know, I've got guys who they've made great progress over three years of working with me and we've never gone probably above 700 milligrams of, of, of a load, um, PED load per week, you know, and a cycle for them is 400 tests, 300 master on. And then, you know, we might drop it back down to 200 milligrams of testosterone for a good 10, 12, 15 weeks cruise, and then bump it back up. They stay pretty lean. They're never getting too fat. Um, they're not having too much swings in their weight. So they're very consistent with their progress. It's not like they have to have a back off from their training or, um, or take these massive deloads because everything is very, very standard. Everything is just kind of additive as you, as, um, as you continue through the program. Yep. I'd agree with that 100%. All right. So we ended up running that segment for a long freaking time. We're like uh, 45 minutes oh, in. Yeah. So we, we have enough time. We can take a few questions and then we'll come back, guys. We'll do another segment. 
Um, let me see what we had here. I'll just jump straight into anything I can find. I think we had a, a few. Um, mm -hmm. What about this one? Alfonso always has something that is like really fitness related, and I feel like this would fit. Mm -hmm. He says Greek yogurt versus cottage cheese, both 2% or 0%. Does it matter? And provided that calories are on point, does it matter, especially for abdominals? I use it normally pre-bed and not looking to go below 8 to 9%. Okay. Okay, so he's asking about Greek yogurt versus cottage cheese. Um, so I, I think it comes down, if he's asking about digestibility, it comes down to the lactose content for most people. And correct me if I'm wrong, but cottage cheese has much higher lactose than, say, most of the Greek yogurts on the market. I like think I so, yeah. Often, yeah, like I often use a um, the Oikos Pro 25 um, Greek yogurt, which actually has a little bit of whey concentrate added into it. Um, and I can digest that. I could do two servings of that and I'm sitting and be fine. Yeah. I can just speculate because knowing back in the day when I was poor and I was eating a lot of cottage cheese, it did not sit the same way as the Greek yogurt does now. And theoretically, my digestive system should probably be in worse shape from all the food I've eaten and all the stress I've, I've, I've put it under. Um, now, in terms of the abdominals, you know, this kind of comes down to, I, I don't think that one particular food group necessarily negatively impacts conditioning in one particular area, right? Like, like when you put on body fat, you don't just put body fat on in your lower back. Like you're still putting body fat all throughout your body, fairly evenly dispersed. And when you lose body fat, fairly evenly at the same rate, you know, there yeah. are, there is some studies that show that there's some localized fat loss with the muscle that you're training that day. It's pretty minuscule compared to the overall fat loss that we're seeing. Yeah. Um, as and your the, genetics, you know, right? Like some guys are going to have more fat on their abs or low back and, you know, women on their sure. hips or some women don't, you know, it's everybody's different. Right. But, but the point being is that gaining and losing that fat is going to occur at roughly the same rate as the fat you're putting on your biceps, the fat, depending yeah. on, you know, the, the different receptors and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't think that Greek yogurt or cottage cheese necessarily impacts um, fat depositing on your abdominals. Yeah. What about like the if like inflammation or water retention from um, from higher levels of you know lactose stuff like that? What do you what do you what are yeah, your so thoughts there? So, well, that's not necessarily getting into body fat. It's getting into more of like the digestive, the bloat, the the yeah. gut mucosal lining being inflamed. That can absolutely obscure some of the conditioning that you're seeing. Absolutely. Um, it just as a body fat standpoint, I just don't think it's, it's depositing more body fat. I, I mean, there's a reason, though, why I think the 99% of coaches don't have dairy products in their plans, especially those last, you know, three, four weeks leading into a contest, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's more of a conditioning overall, dryness overall kind of thing, you know? And I think a lot of that has to do with the um, slight, we'll call it allergic reaction that people have to either the proteins or the lactose that, that's in the, the dairy products, causing that inflammation throughout the body as a whole. Agree. Agreed 100%. All right. Um, howdy from Austin. Says it's hot. All right. Um, I got a question and um, sleep and how to get better, deeper sleep because my sleep hygiene really sucks. And unfortunately, it's been like that for years. Um, I'm not even running a significant amount of gear and I'm still having trouble sleeping. Any and all help is appreciated. Keep up the great work, y'all. Yeah, I mean, this one, I, he talks about sleep hygiene, which is great. He's not asking, like, what's a supplement I can take? Because there's always usually things we can do in terms of our approach to sleep. You know, first, get your bedroom as cold as you can. You know, the body mm. likes it to be 62, 63 degrees. Um, you know, I was just telling a kid who doesn't have AC um, the other day. I'm like, all right, this is what I want you to do. It's called, it's called the white trash AC. Go get some aloe and rub it over your whole body and get naked and get in bed and then turn that fan on and don't tell me that 10 minutes later you're not like shivering and freezing okay it works trust me because there's been many days white right trash ac and, and I, that's great white trash ac exactly so yeah first thing is get your room nice and cold right 
Second thing is block out all sources of light in your room, um, mm-hmm. including like those LED lights that are on your TV or on your clock. Turn that facing away. It's stimulatory oh. to the brain, right? This, Wait, this thing. Yeah, oh, I'm getting there. I'm, get, okay. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Right? <laughs> what? <laughs> About two hours before bedtime, start wearing blue light blocking glasses. You can get them off Amazon for 15 bucks when you're looking at your phone, when you're watching TV, if you're on your computer, whatever it might be. The blue light is stimulatory to the brain. Even if you can fall asleep, it can still wake you up later on in the night. Okay. Um, and then um, lastly, or I think lastly, Find an activity or find, develop a routine. So like yes. I'll give you an example, like our routine, we read for like 45 minutes right before the last meal. So that calms us down, relax and, you know, and then we, uh, we have our last meal and then we go into um, bedroom and we watch a show wearing our blue light glasses until we go to bed like 45 minutes later. And your body, your body loves routine. You know, your body has circadian rhythms and it's really important to try to stick to them. Getting up around the same time every day, trying to go to bed at the same time every day. All that stuff is really important. Um, yeah. Did you want to touch on supplements or something you can add into or? I'll add in because I will I'll tell them too about my uh, my routine. Okay. Um, okay. Which yeah. I because I I didn't do anything for sleep hygiene before I met Victoria. Like I understood the importance and the value and all of that. And then I would literally just sit up at night. Uh, and usually by the evening, I'd be done with uh, you know any check ins I needed to do because those people needed their diets, right? But mm-hmm. I would be like working on podcasts. I'd be like, oh well, I got to edit this. So I would literally edit it until I started passing out. And I would stop when I'd wake up and like I'd look up at the keyboard and be like e down the screen, and I'd be like, "Oh, time to go to bed." And then, um, like when I was really stressed, I started sleepwalking, and it was crazy, man. Like I would start sleepwalking and eating food and all sorts of stuff. Um, but anyway, you know, the, the stress subsided and that subsided, but I still never really got into a sleep schedule. Then Victoria moves in. And it's important to her to really take care of her sleep hygiene. So two hours before bed, we turn down all the lights in the house. You know, we we don't have any bright light sources. We have one lamp in the living room. It's a dim lamp. We turn that one on. We have one lamp in the bedroom and it has like a soft red um, um, cover over it. So it's just like a low light. That way we don't have to walk through the house flipping switches and turning on bright lights. You know, and that that helps as well. Just keeping the, the, the bright light out of your eyes. Now we do watch TV at night, but we don't watch anything that's like super action packed. You know, so so all the stuff you were saying, Andrew, plus, you know, like you don't do anything that's super stimulating, you know, like you don't want to watch a car chase and get your heart rate up because you're trying to get into that, you know, that relaxive state where you can get the dopamine out of your system and get into that, you know, point where you're going to relax and go to bed. So I'll just add those things in, um, you know, that that's important. You know, you don't want to be like typing on your phone and all of that stuff. So uh, I'll say that. And I'll tell you, too, man. I've been tracking my sleep. I got this Apple Watch. It's the new one. And uh, I've, I've watched the trends on my deep sleep and when it goes up and when it goes down and stuff like that. It's, it's been it, just having that has been helpful because being able to watch that, I can see how I respond. You know, like, oh, I didn't unwind as well last night. And then I see how that affects my deep sleep or or I just get really good deep sleep. Like I get an extra 30 minutes and I'm like, okay, well, what did I do last night that helped me with that? And then I use those things as keys, key, you know, clues to, to better improve it. So I'll throw that mm-hmm. in as well. Also, Fenibut, terrible for you because it's addictive, but I will use that once in a while. And uh, if, I have, if I have really trouble sleeping, I'll use a serving of Fenibut. And I used it a couple couple nights ago and I used it in the middle of the night. Like I woke up and I couldn't go back to sleep. I took some Fenibut and went to sleep and my deep sleep was like off the charts. Great. So it did, you know, I used an addictive drug and it helped. That's pretty cool. One other thing I thought of, um, and this comes down to like overall stress management, but yeah. if your room is not arranged in a way that like you like, like your bedroom, especially, or your yeah. house, like even though you're not consciously like thinking about it, it's an, it's a stress to you and you're, you don't feel like you're in a completely like safe, comfortable, relaxing place. So mm. a lot of times you got to redo your bedroom. You got to change the arrangement of something you got. You need to put it in a place that seems most natural and calming to you. Yeah. Um, it sounds a little kooky. It sounds a little weird, but um, I, I think I believe it I does. But you're right. From, 
I can't remember where I picked that one up, but yeah, it's it's you want to arrange your bedroom in a way that is most calming to you, and and sometimes it has to do with like okay, adding drapes in or adding you know whatever it might be that just if you're like a control, like very neat, clean, tidy person, you got to clean your room before bed. If you're someone that likes a lot of like eclectic mix of this and that, and it just stimulates you in, in a positive way, that might be the thing for you. So it's kind of figuring out who you are and adjusting your room to match your personality. Yeah. And, and don't hang out there until you're ready to go to bed. You know, they say you're not supposed to, along with that stuff, you're not supposed to just like sit in bed and watch TV. You know, it's like use it, look at it as a sacred space. You know, so that mm-hmm. when you enter there, you know, you're getting down to business in one way or mm-hmm. another. You're getting down to business yeah. in the bedroom. <laughs> down to business. <laughs> yes. All right. Why don't I take one of these questions that you sent over, Andrew? And then from there, we'll have to call this episode a day. Unless, uh, let's see, did we get anything else here? What's this? I'm inviting people too, by the way, so that they can, uh, they can they can say who they are so we don't just see Facebook mm. uh, user. I'm just going to grab this one randomly. I don't even know what it is out the gate. Um, let's see. Got a question. Tiny guy, 5'10 and a half, 165 to 170 pounds. Um, but I'd like your opinion on my condition slash body fat in the two photos where I'm lean and really lean. Do you, do you have these? Do we know where these photos are? So, so, okay. You know what? That one I sent preemptively to you because I had messaged the guy and said, Hey, if you email me your pictures oh. to my email address before four o'clock, we will feature this question. All um, right. Well, then I should we have put should, a caveat. We shall do that. Another I, time. I'm checking my email right now and I did not. Okay. How about this one from yeah. Johnny? He says, any reason to switch to Masteron Probe versus staying on Masteron and F8 the last four weeks of prep, will it even make that much of a difference? I say no. What do you say, Andrew? I say no, it will not make that much of a difference. Um, do I t- do I tend to use more prop versus an anthate in a contest prep? Yes. And it's more so because I'm probably taking other compounds that like, like say trend ACE or test prop that, um, you know, you need to dose more frequently and I want to keep the blood levels as stable as possible. Uh, but do I, if someone says, Hey, I have mass and anthate, I don't have prop. Is that a problem? My answer is no, it's not a problem. I leave the anethate in. The way I look at it is, is that if we already have it in their system, you know, the key is with it, mm-hmm. you have to get it in a little earlier, right? You know, you can't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel as comfortable if we just had mass D to drop it in for the last five weeks. Whereas mass probe, yeah. if, if we needed to do that, we could make it work. But if we already have it built up in a system, then my thought is, is that even if I'm splitting up everything to every other day shots, now we're able to reduce the volume probably by 50% in the oil so mm-hmm. that we're going to get like less, less, you know, volume at the shop, just a little more logistics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't disagree with that. All right. Well, listen, let's wrap this thing up. We got another one to record. And, uh, you, you know, guys, what we do is we record two episodes at a time. That way we have something for you every Friday. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, if you want to reach out to Andrew for some coaching, you can go to bodyberry.com. Uh, Skip's not here, so screw teamskip.com. Don't go there. <laughs> Don't hire Skip. Uh, you can reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. And, of course, thank you to our great sponsors, truenutrition.com. They're the first company that ever believed in what we are doing all the way back in the day, and uh, they're still with us. So thank you very much, Dante and True Nutrition. Use our code THANK for additional savings, uh, supplementsource.ca. For those of you in Canada, great deals that change week to week. Of course, thank you to everybody from Patreon. We're going to knock out your questions on the next episode. And uh, for another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear, with coaches Andrew Berry and myself, Scott McNally. Skip will be back with us down the road. He's just traveling right now. We'll see you soon, guys. Thank you.